Welcome to the Story Forest, a podcast of original tales for curious and adventurous children. This is the second episode of The Fentons Face the Frost, our brand new series. If you've not listened to the first one yet, now's the time. After the snow falls thick and deep, Ella, Joel, Jasmine and Tom are given a book that might have a quest in it to protect the village from a 50-year frost. But can it really be real? Written by Anna Roberts and read by her favourite storyteller in the world, her mother, Pam McNaughton. Ravens. As Jasmine poured a big bowl of shreddies, Ella tucked into her toast, and Joel and Tom piled up their Weetabix, the phone rang. Mum went to answer it, then came back with a smile on her face. School's off, she said with a grin, and the Fenton children whooped and cheered. There's a burst pipe. She sat down at the table and started buttering some toast. It'll probably be all week, she said. Someone pass the jam. The snow in the morning had looked new again. It had fallen heavy and thick in the night. No trails remained and now it was up to Ella's thigh or the twins' waists or Tom's chest. With all the excitement, as I'm sure you understand, they forgot to be cross with Jasmine for kicking their snowman yesterday or to worry about the book and the words and the Lord and Lady of the Frost. It seemed a half-forgotten dream and one you were glad to wake up from. We can play in the snow all day long, Joel said with a grin. But then the phone rang again. Mum raised her eyebrows across the table and this time Dad got up. Might have to hold off on the play, kids, he said when he came back. But he was smiling. That was Mr Brinton. The whole village is going to clear the roads and the pathways for the old people too. It'll be fun. All your friends will be there. And I'm sure it won't take too long. They all groaned a little. But clearing snow still sounded fun and Joel was already thinking about how he could make it into a competition. The kids wolfed down their breakfasts and took the extra toast Mum made them have to keep them warm, though Tom couldn't really see how, then went to dress up in all their warmest clothes, socks and leggings and vests and joggers and waterproof trousers and anything they could find. As she was getting her coat, with a jolt, Ella recalled the book and the poem. Joel had found the parcel the day before under the old Christmas tree, containing a poem in a book that told of a winter that would last for 50 years unless it was stopped. She zipped open the pocket of her coat and picked up the book. Yesterday, they had built four snowmen on the compass points of the village as the poem had told them for protection. She had been convinced that it was real. Now she couldn't decide. She flipped to the next page of the book and read the next two lines. Beside them was a picture of a black bird positioned to dive at her from the page. It said, 
Hide and gather as the raven cries, safe your friends and flocks to keep. So the bird in the picture must be a raven. She frowned and just then the other children came into her room. The book! Tom spoke as though he was just remembering too. Ella read the line out to all of them. What do you think? Joel said quickly. Our snowman is almost covered by the snow outside. I looked. Its head pokes out of the top, but only just. No one mentioned the fact that it had been quite a bit taller before Jasmine knocked the head off. I don't know, Ella said slowly. We did see... She trailed off. Before they went to bed the night before, they had thought they'd seen silhouettes of what could be the Lord and Lady of the Frost against the sky. But they seemed so much a part of the night that it was difficult to speak about them now. Jasmine hadn't said anything yet, but now she did. We can keep an eye out for ravens, can't we? She was trying to make up and the others were glad. But just get on with things. Yes, Ella said with a smile and a surge of relief. And probably they will never come. Then Dad shouted from downstairs and the kids ran down to get their boots on. And as they rushed away, none of them saw the raven that came to perch on the skylight and cawed to the sky. In the village, everyone was out with shovels and snowplows and hats and there was a general air of excitement. Ella made sure to give Mr Brinton from the shop the extra five pounds for the sledge Tom had bought yesterday. Then the children found their friends and the dads gathered to argue about the best strategy and the mums chatted too. We can forgive them all, I'm sure, for not noticing the unusual number of ravens that swooped overhead and landed on telegraph poles and roofs and trees. Though actually one person did notice. You see, Jasmine didn't usually notice things, but she did love animals. So she saw the enormous ravens swooping with their jet black feathers against the sky. She knew that this was a weird number of ravens, but she thought the book was nonsense, or at least she wanted to think that, and she definitely didn't want it to interfere with their fun in the snow. So she said nothing, except everything else she could think of to say about snow and sledges, and she ignored the ravens. The Fenton children, when the dads finally agreed a plan and Mr Brinton started giving out instructions, were assigned to go and clear old Mrs Mondoli's path and they trudged over there, promising to meet friends to sledge as soon as they were done. Mrs Mondoli was standing outside her house when they arrived, looking around her like a bird looking for food, her head moving back and forth. Look, she said without any other introduction. Look! Ella followed her finger, which pointed shakily into the snow. No one else had been this far through the village, and the snow was clear, apart from some prints. 
hoof prints. What are they? Joel asked in wonder. But Mrs Mondoli turned to look at them with one of her sharp glances. I think you know, don't you? Then she smiled. Thank you for clearing my path, dears. I'll make you some hot chocolate. Then she disappeared inside the house. The Fenton kids looked at each other and then Joel and Jasmine got started with the clearing and the others joined in, scraping and digging and piling. It was good to throw themselves into the clearing because otherwise they could not help but think of the figures on horseback over on this hill and the hoof prints in the snow. But however hard Tom dug, he had a feeling in the pit of his stomach that wouldn't go away. Like when you wake up and you know something unpleasant is going to happen, but you can't remember what it is. He didn't join in with the games with the twins, and when the hot chocolate came, it gave him little pleasure for all that it was creamy and hot. Mrs Mondoli thanked them, and they started to walk back into the village, Jasmine and Joel laughing and throwing snowballs ahead. Tom walked with Ella, and he was mustering courage. Those hoof prints, he started to say. But as he did, Joel and Jasmine started to yell ahead of them and run forward through the snow. To Ella and Tom, the scene was a confusion of snow flying, black shapes falling and rising, and the twins shouting and running and diving. Then, with a great cacophony of cause, a large number of ravens took off for the sky, like black beads spilling suddenly everywhere against the blue sky. And Joel stood up and shouted at them, and Jasmine remained on the floor, hugging something. Ella and Tom rushed over. Jasmine was holding a puppy that belonged to their friends, the Bawtrees. They were attacking it! Jasmine had tears on her face and she was shaking. All of them pecking at it and just, I mean, if we weren't here. She hugged the puppy to her and it made a little sound. The hoof prints, the ravens, the puppy. The Fentons each let the three things turn about in their minds, like ingredients in a bowl gradually being blended together. We have to warn everyone. Joel spoke in a low voice, about the ravens. What does the poem say, Ella? Tom asked, and Ella took it out and read it again. Hide and gather as the raven cries, safe your friends and flocks to keep. So they just need to hide indoors. That should be okay, right? We can persuade people to do that. After this, Tom said, looking at his siblings in urgency, and they all nodded. I still think it's nonsense, Jasmine said fiercely, but I don't want any more animals hurt, so I'll help, this time. And that would have to do for now. Then came planning. The children thought of all the animals they knew of in the village and the farms around, and divided them up between the two teams. The teams were, as always, the twins and then Tom and Ella, 
It wasn't even something that they had to discuss. They split up. The twins took the puppy back home first to Madison and Caitlin Bawtrees, who took their puppy back with lots of cuddles and promised they would warn their families. Then they went to the other houses and Jasmine pleaded passionately for everyone to keep their pets inside, telling the story of the ravens and the puppy as though there had been a thousand ravens. People whistled for their dogs and called for their cats and soon there were no animals to be seen outside. But the ravens still swirled overhead. Ella and Tom had the longer route, visiting the farmhouses that stood out of the village. There were four. Mr Baldwin said his animals were all inside anyway, but called in his sheepdog. Mr Sedgwick went to bring in the animals he had taken outside to graze. Mrs Blossom brought in her chickens and Mr Harrison called the dogs and Mrs Harrison gave them a glass of milk and some biscuits which were much appreciated after their long walks. They had to go home for lunch before sledging in the afternoon and the paths were more clear now after the adults had been working all morning so it was easier going. Tom said he was going to check something and left Ella walking alone. She tried not to, but couldn't help reciting the poem in her mind. Somehow, since the morning, it had got stuck in her memory. She wished it had not. The village wasn't huge, so it didn't take Tom long to achieve his mission. He had checked the north and south snowmen as they had walked to the farms, but now he was going to see the other. They still stood, though they were mostly covered in snow. He stopped beside the one on the west boundary of the village and frowned. It was the same, but the hoofprints and the ravens had made it into the village. Had their guardians been any use at all? They are a statement of intent. Tom looked up. Mrs Mondoli stood on the road, wrapped up in a coat and a funny red beret. What do you mean? Tom was so surprised that she had spoken exactly into what he had been thinking about that he rather blurted this. But I'm sure that I would have done the same and Mrs Mondoli didn't seem to mind. The village is protected. They will have seen that. They know you're fighting. And that's a good thing, Tom said, still in shock. Of course, Mrs Mondoli said, standing up straighter. And you will fight, won't you? She glared at him with a fire in her eyes that he had never seen before. But before he could respond, she seemed to wilt before his eyes. Will you walk me home, dear? I don't want to slip in the snow. And so Tom did, marvelling at what had happened. What did Mrs Mondoli know, anyway? After lunch, the afternoon was filled with sledges and shouts and frozen fingers and toes and trudging up hills and whizzing down them too many times to count. And then Sam Thornton threw a snowball and two armies formed quickly and everyone got at least one snowball in the face, except for Tom, who was very good at ducking. 
Then the sky began to get dark and everyone started to feel the bumps and bruises they had ignored all day. And they all headed home, exhausted and freezing, but happy. And the Fentons felt as if they'd done their job against the Ravens too, even if it was all nonsense, which added an extra warm glow to the satisfaction of a full day in the snow. There were fewer of those great big birds now, but they did still swoop overhead. Mum made them have showers and baths and get into their pyjamas before it was tea so that they could properly warm up and they ate sausages and beans and mash and broccoli as though they hadn't eaten in weeks. Joel brought out Monopoly and they started to play, but Ella also had the book, The Fifty Year Frost, in her hand and kept looking at the pages absent-mindedly, annoying the others by not noticing when someone landed on her property or when she passed go or even when it was her turn. Eventually, when Ella sold Mayfair to Joel at a stupidly low price, Jasmine couldn't take it any more. Stop it, Ella! What are you doing? We told everyone about the stupid ravens anyway. Ella looked up at her as though from a dream. Joel gave a big grin. He was probably going to win now. Just then, Dad walked in, putting on his coat. I'm going to the pub with Mr Thornton, kids. Good night. He swooped down to give all of them kisses, whether they were welcome or not. But Ella burst up out of her chair, tipping the Monopoly board as she did. Dad, don't go, she shouted, grabbing him desperately as the others shouted about the board and the ruined game. Dad looked around at them all, bemused, but put his hands gently onto Ella's shoulders. Now she was sobbing. Please don't go, Dad, please don't go. Dad looked up at the others, who looked as confused as he was. He hugged Ella tightly, then led her over to a chair and sat down, putting her on his knee, even though she was quite big for that now. Mum had come to the door to see what all the fuss was about. What's going on, Ella? Dad said gently. Ella found the emotion shuddering through her, fear and anger and confusion. But the truth is, at that moment, Ella could have emerged from crying and spoken fairly clearly. But what was she to say? For the thing that had been nagging at her mind didn't feel like it would work, like anyone would believe her. So instead, she leant onto Dad's shoulder and let the sobs shake through her body. It's... Dad, please, I, I just want to see you, she said and clung to him all the tighter. Mum and Dad exchanged bewildered looks over the heads of the children and Mum shrugged. Dad frowned and then he drew Ella closer to him again. All right, he said comfortingly. All right, Ella, this time I'll stay. Ella cuddled him in relief and the other children all looked at each other in complete confusion. It really wasn't like Ella to break down like this. 
Let's have a movie night, Mum announced, seeing the discarded Monopoly board. I'll make popcorn. Dad, once Ella released him, went out of the room in the way that he did when he was going to boil the kettle, and the others looked at Ella. Her face was red, but now the parents were gone, she wasn't crying anymore. The, the book, she said quietly, the poem. We forgot a part of it. It says, safe your friends and flocks. We looked after the animals, but not the people. I couldn't let Dad go out with all those giant ravens around. The others continued to stare. You are completely out of your mind, Ella, Jasmine said eventually. Ravens couldn't take our dad, Joel said derisively, and slammed down his fistful of Monopoly money. It went everywhere. You saw them with that puppy, Ella said wildly. You believe me, don't you, Tom? The others all looked at him, which he hadn't really wanted them to do. I spoke to Mrs Mondoli earlier, he said quietly, and told them what she had said about their snowman guardians, a statement of intent. She's batty, we all know that, Jasmine said, still cross. But just then mum and dad came in and the children had to tidy away the monopoly and choose a film. Ella and Tom didn't speak up, so Jasmine chose, and the kids all sat apart. Ella kept staring through the sliver of window that she could see through to the sky, trying to work out if she was imagining dark shapes swooping, or if they were real. Towards the end of the film, the phone rang again. Dad went, and when he got back, his face was drawn. It's a good thing I didn't go out. That was Mr Thornton. They heard a noise from outside and the ravens were going for their chickens. When he went out, they flew at him too. He got rid of them eventually. I don't know what's got into those birds, but it's a good thing he wasn't with me at the pub. No one paid much attention to the rest of the film. When it was done, the kids went upstairs. As soon as the parents were gone, Ella turned on the rest of them. See, she hissed, it's good at least one of us is taking this seriously. Honestly, Jasmine said, rolling her eyes, we're just kids and this is just snow and the ravens were hungry and it's just a book. I don't see why you have to make up this whole thing. I'm not making it up. Ella said, furious. Why aren't you paying any attention to all of this? All of what, Ella? Jasmine said, tears coming into her eyes. I'm not part of this stupid thing. I just want to have fun with my friends. You're on your own. She turned and stomped into her room. And after looking at the others for a moment, Joel followed. Ella was crying too now, and Tom bit his lip. It wasn't the best end to the day. As Ella lay in bed, she watched the ravens swoop overhead. At least the animals were inside and safe. At least Dad was safe. And they would face whatever was next tomorrow.
Ella turned over and fell asleep. The end. Thanks for listening. And thanks to James for introducing the podcast so well. Next week, the Fentons have a new challenge. Will they be able to pull together to complete it? And if you can't wait, we've got loads of series you can catch up on. Try Theo the Monster Hunter, who has to look after a whole forest of monsters. Or the Night Castle, where George goes back in time to a Tudor castle in his sleep. See you next week!